won't get through my message, so I better go on. Uh, all right, all right, all right, all right. You talked me into it. I'm always aware and wary of great introductions. I'm reminded of a preacher who went to a church and uh, he preached a Sunday morning message and afterwards he went home with the pastor and they, uh, the pastor's wife had laid out a great spread there for him and all kinds of food to eat and uh, he, she said, let's go over and sit down and he said, well, I'm not going to be able to eat. And she said, well, why? And he said, well, I've got to conse consecrate myself for this evening's message. And she was very disappointed, but he wouldn't eat. And he went up to his room and he consecrated. And by and by, the evening went on and uh, somehow the pastor's wife was unable to return to the evening service. And she eagerly awaited her husband to come home. And he came home and he came through the door. And she could hardly wait. She wanted to know, how did he do? And whereupon the pastor said, he should have ate. I think that when we get great introductions, I hope you won't be saying when I'm through, he should have ate. We're going to talk a little bit about morality. I've been asked to talk about morality and for this to be morality week and I'll get to talk to you three times. In 1974, a research firm uh, surveyed 3,500 young people ages 16 to 25. The interview sought to learn what the, these selected individuals felt about important values in today's world. The study indicated that only 31% considered premarital relations as morally wrong, compared with 52% in 1969. Opposition to abortion dropped from 58% to 45% in the same period. The proportion who considered living a clean moral life a very important value fell from 71% to 52%. And it was seen that the standards are shifting into the patterns that existed in the days of Noah. What is happening to our morals? First, let's make sure that we are dealing with common definitions. I believe that much confusion can result when people use the same words but have different definitions. For example, Many people use the word divine, and some use it to mean to talk about Jesus Christ, and they say he is divine. Some use it to mean that he comes from God, as anyone else comes from God. Some use it to mean that he is deity. And so when people use that word, and we look at different religions, they mean all different things. When we use the word morality or morals, I am of the opinion that we mean all different things, and I would like to come to some common understanding and ground on the use of that term. The subject of morality is a very complex one, and for myself, what happened to me is I began to deal uh, with this subject, and I'm a kind of an intricate person, and I got all round, wound up and wrapped up in the definition, so I'm just going to take today talking about what is morality. We can look at diagram number one. We are discussing a broad area of study, and it's called ethics. Ethics in philosophy is the study and evaluation of human conduct in the light of moral principles. Ethics is this whole study of human behavior from the viewpoint of moral principles. We could further define and describe the area of ethics by breaking it down into two components. So go on to diagram number two. There, is, there are theoretical ethics and there is normative ethics. Theoretical ethics is the component of ethics that can be thought of as the philosophical study of human behavior and morality. Philosophy is a search for truth and for wisdom, and philosophy can be summed up as the love or, or for truth and for wisdom. 
If you think about it, it is the search for underlying causes, underlying principles. And those people who are studying ethics from a philosophical point of view are not quite as concerned about the behavioral aspects as they are the underlying principles uh, of morality. Therefore, the purpose of philosophical study in this area is not to learn how to change behavior, nor to attempt to apply what is learned, but to understand what principles affect behavior. And commonly, they, people who are studying from a philosophical point of view deal with the fact of word study about what words mean and how they ought to be used in a discussion. You know, this is better. Lights are coming on. I can see faces. I was getting kind of scared there for a moment. At church, I'm used to looking at people, and every now and then, I, I'm used to hearing somebody say, Amen. Okay, now, it is, I've been known to have to educate white people where amens belong. <laughs> I'm sure a number of you have noticed by now that I am black, and I've been that way just about most of my life. So if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. So let's go on. Thought I heard an amen over here somewhere. When we think about this, there is another area of morality, and it's called normative ethics. Normative ethics deals with the norms or standards and is more concerned with conduct than it is with philosophy. I'd like to give you a quote from the seven laws of teaching. He said, the two chief springs of interest through which a mind can be aroused are the love of knowledge for its sake, that is its cultural value, and the desire for knowledge to be used as a tool in solving problems or obtaining other knowledge. There are two broad areas here. You've got philo philosophical ethics, looking at all of the words, then you've got normative ethics dealing with the actual code of moral standards and how one should live. If you look at that, normative ethics is really what most people are referring to when they talk about morality. They are talking about moral principles of conduct. Moral principles may be viewed either as a standard of conduct that an individual has constructed for himself or as a body of obligations and duties that a particular society requires of its members. Now if you look at the diagram, theoretical ethics, there is an arrow pointing off in that direction and when you see the next one, it won't continue because I'm not going to deal with philosophical theoretical ethics. I'm going to deal with practical moral morality and morals and norms, okay? I think that that would be more practical for us than going off down that chute. Alright, so we can look at diag diagram three. Morality can be broken down into two parts, personal morality and group morality. Let's deal first with group morality. Group morals are, that every person has are, call, are called norms. Group norms are different for every group, but for the sake of discussion, let's deal with the norms of American society. Morals are the standards or group norms that are in effect at any particular time. Now, it is normative for Americans to have abortions nowadays. Do you agree? Okay, I said Americans. Wait a minute now. You're supposed to say amen. It's normative for Americans to have abortion. Not Christian Americans, not non-Christian Americans, just Americans in general. 
Therefore, it is moral and acceptable and much more probable that a person would have an abortion today than 50 years ago. Because 50 years ago, it would have been immoral because of the group norms and standards that were in existence at that time. Many think that the morality of this nation has gone to pot. Well, it has or it hasn't, depending upon what the group norms you're using for a base or a standard. If you are a Christian, I trust, that's what we're going to be talking about all week, I trust you're using biblical, biblically based norms and standards. Now, one of the big surprises is going to be, I'm going to challenge you this week to the extent that many Christians do not have biblically based morals and norms. They have culturally based morals and norms and mores. And therefore, get into a lot of difficulty with trying to live the Christian life because you are living out of that morality. Let's go on. Group norms have a lot of impact on behavior, but we have not gotten to the core yet of why people behave the way they do. The bottom line on behavior is found in the next area, which we can refer to as personal morality. What is personal morality? Personal morality is the morals, the norms, I call them values, that people have determined in their own life, and I should explain here that group morality or social norms can be and often are in conflict with your morality or your values. So let me make clear right now, when I'm talking about values, I'm talking about your personal value system, your personal morals, which have been value programmed in you over your life, and I'm going to talk about that some more in a minute. The prevailing norms and morals with respect to abortion may or may not have impact upon you as an individual depending upon what kind of morals you have. You must understand that the impact will be in inverse proportion to the person's value system. Let's take an example. Let's take and stick with abortion. If I grew up in a home where abortion was taught as being wrong, I probably value programmed and I probably believe in my own morality and my own value system that it is wrong. When it, when I come time, when it comes time for me to make a decision about abortion, if I should ever have that opportunity, I will be impacted less by the social standards of this time because I have my own personal value system. Now, if you do not have a very strong personal value system, then what impacts you are the morals and norms and standards of society. So we need to realize that, and it'll help us to deal with what I'm going to talk about here. Let me give you another illustration. If you grew up in a home where you had to fend for yourself, and you had to grab food off of the table, then you would not be impacted by the social norms that say you ought to be polite and say thank you and yes sir and no ma'am. You wouldn't do that. Why? Because you have an internal value that says in order for me to survive, I need to grab food off of the table. That personal value system is what we're going to talk about over the rest of the week in different ways. Let me go on. Diagram four. We can further understand values by understanding that there are two types of value systems. There are, there is a worldly value system and there is a biblical value system. There are only two. Your value system is your own, get this if you will, specific organized system of thinking. 
Everybody's here is different. It is a mindset that is relatively stable or enduring in times of both situation and your time. It's, it remains the same. Each one of us has a value system that acts as a personal guidance system in terms of right and wrong, good and evil, appropriate and inappropriate. Somebody said, I heard somebody say, where did that come from? Well, that's diagram five. Didn't you hear that question? You missed it. Diagram five will show you where it came from. Each one of us has been value programmed, remember that term, value programmed from birth until somewhere around 18 to 22 where you lock in and you have your value system then from then on it doesn't change. It's very stable except for significant emotional events. Now you wouldn't use that term, that's my term. The term you would use would be crises. Adults come to a point where they no longer change. They get up, they go to work, they do the same things, they brush their teeth in the same way, they put on their pants in the same way, they drive down the freeway the same way. They don't want to do anything different. And most people, when they have to change, are in great trouble because they do not like change. Adults don't. Okay? But the way that we can change and do change is when crisis comes into our life, it causes us to reevaluate where we are. Can anybody relate to that? Amen. All right. Many times something will happen and you'll get in trouble. Let's talk about the supreme crisis while you're here at school. You get an F. Okay, that's a crisis. And what you do is you determine at that point, why did I get an F? Now, up until this point, you haven't studied, you haven't been worried about it, you've just been going along. It's not a problem. But all of a sudden, you get an F, and that F shakes you up, and you look inside of yourself, and you begin to reevaluate. That's a crisis. That's a significant emotional event. And it causes you to change your value system. Before this time, you didn't care about study. You had no value for study. But after that F, a significant dose of study became a part of your mental makeup. From then on, you learn to study. Okay? This, this happens in all of our lives in various ways. Let's look at how it happened. Imprinting, ages one to seven. You look around the world when you're one to seven, you know we take babies and we put them in cages and put bars around them. They look out through the cage and they see people and they look around and they identify elements in their world. Now remember, this is a baby and, you, and the baby's here and he says, and then the mother says what? Nose, nose. And, Okay, and the baby feels around and he feels around and finally finds out that he has all of these things. This is imprinting. Okay? And when the baby imprints, the baby is trying to see and identify elements in his or her world. Then the next stage is modeling. Approximately ages 8 through 13, we look around the world and say, who do I want to be like? And the, and the people that we pick out, the models that we choose, impact our value system. Now many of us choose models like John McEnroe. Okay, now if you choose a model like John McEnroe, you will have his value system. And his value system is, he is a challenger against anything and any kind of authority. 
And believe me, you might look at him and say, he's horrible. The American people love him. Many of them do, even though he's a challenger. But we look around, and guess who our children are picking out? Well, you don't have any children, do you? I'm thinking about at church. All right, guess who you're picking out? <laughs> guess who you choose to be your hero? Hulk Hogan. <laughs> okay, but remember... If you value program ages 8 to 13 with Hulk Hogan, when you grow up, you'll have a value system like Hulk Hogan. Alright? Socialization. Ages 14 through 20, socialization. At that point, point, we look around the world and we form associations and we seek others out with similar values. That's when the clicking goes on. We get with the people who we like, who like us, who like to do the same things. Alright? Somewhere, 18 to 22, we lock in, we say, this is my life, this is who I am, this is who I'm going to be from now on, and nobody's going to change it. I'm leaving home, I'm going to school, I'm going to the master's college, I'm going to get away from here. Okay? And we go down and that's it. We break off and from that point on we don't change except when crises comes into our lives. Now when crises or significant emotional events, and I'm going to talk about this over the course of the week, so I'm, I'm giving you some things that I'll clear up later on. They come from God. It's the only way that the Lord Jesus Christ could get our attention in many situations is by a significant emotional event. Now, I want you to realize that significant emotional events are not always negative, sometimes they're positive. When you begin to think about it and you look at the holmes Ross stress test and you look at all those things that are listed down there, some of them are positive. If you get a loan for $10,000, that's a significant emotional event. You go through a lot of stress about it. So we all have a value system. Now, hold on to your seat for a moment because I have to say something to you and I realize that I'm in a Christian environment, but I, I need to say this anyway. All of you here have worldly values. Worldly values. You say, no, no, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian and when you got saved, God saved your heart, your soul, but your value system has to be gradually unprogrammed, broken and reprogrammed according to the Bible. That's what's wrong with many Christians. The reason they can't live up to what God wants them to live up to, the reason we are having morality problems, is because they think they have a Christian morality and they don't. They've got a worldly morality. The world system. I like what I believe it was Trench said, every day we breathe it in inevitably to exhale it. Every day it comes in and out of us. You watch TV. You see billboards. You deal with the world in so many different ways and it's always flowing through us. And we get it in, we breathe it in, and we must breathe it out. What else happens to us? There are three kinds of forces that program our values. We can look at diagram number six. I see which one I'm on here. Ah, oh, that looks good. Every now and then you do, you need to compliment yourself. Do you know that? God did. He looked, He created the earth and it was so good he looked at it and he said, man, that's good. Well, every now and then you need to tell yourself that's good. <laughs> Personal forces. Personal forces. Needs, perceptions, demographic traits, size, distribution, migration, all of these things. Personal forces impact us. Everyone in here, your, your value system is different because you come from a different place. Value programming in Akron, Ohio is a lot different than value programming in Los Angeles, California. 
totally different than it would be in value programming in New York City. Totally different. Social forces, you got roles, life crises. Here are four life crises that everybody goes through. Birth, anytime a child is born around you, you go through some kind of crisis, whether you know it or not. Adolescence is a tremendous crisis. All kinds of changes going on in your lives when you are at that point. Courtship is a tremendous crisis. Amen. Somebody said amen. I don't know who it was back there. It's a crisis. When you see people, here's a guy now. He's never cleaned up. He doesn't care. He wears old clothes. Nothing matters to him until he sees this girl. And then the next time you see him, he looks like he's in the 50s. He's got his hair slicked down. He's ready to go. Why? A significant emotional event. Another one is marriage and divorce. And another one is old age and certainly illness and death. When somebody dies around us, we look in the casket. And you know the thing that runs through our mind? The next person in that casket may be me. And so it's a crisis. And then there are environmental forces. That is cultural and institutional forces that impact us. All right, we've talked about a number of these things. Let's go on down and look for a moment at biblical values. Biblical values are those values which have been conformed to the will of God through the input of the Bible and the work of the Holy Spirit and life crises or significant emotional events. I said that too fast, didn't I? Let me say it again. Biblical values are those values that have been conformed to the will of God through the input of the Bible and the work of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. And the life crises or significant emotional events that the Lord sends into our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your what? Your mind. Your mind is the center of where all of your values are. That you may prove or discover or recognize or constantly, repeatedly be able to put your approval on the will of God. His will is good, his will is acceptable, and his will is perfect. Friday I'm going to do a complete exposition, as complete as I can do, of Romans 12, 1 and 2 and talk about those elements. Wednesday I'm going to preach about if the foundations of American uh, morality are destroyed, then what can the righteous do? Each one of us has been value programmed with a, to a certain value for life. So although the prevailing norms and values may condone abortion, for those of us who have been value programmed with traditional biblical values, we could not choose to have an abortion because it would be wrong for us. But if a person has not based his values on the Bible, his value system is merely reflecting the social norms of his time, which may include some biblical values. But not many. Paul said, I don't accomplish the good I set out to do. And the evil I don't really want to do, I find I'm always doing. Yet, if I do the things that I don't really want to do, it is not I, I repeat, I who does them, but the sin which has made its home within me. Let me try something else on you. Your value system is really closely linked to it if it is not your personal sin nature, which has been culturally Formed by all that you've gone through in the world. But we want to take and take our minds and conform it to a new nature, 
the new nature inside of us. When we look about at this, we see that there is tremendous potential. I have hit on nothing as significant as why people do what they do as I have with respect to values. So I'm going to deal with these things later on, but let me kind of share with you how I got to where I am today on this particular issue. It was Monday, April the 14th, 1986. I was at the chapel in University Park in Akron, Ohio. They were having a seminar, and the seminar was on holiness, and Jerry Bridges was teaching. And he made this statement, we must develop Bible-based convictions, not culturally-based convictions. Almost immediately, how many of you like Star Trek? Almost immediately, I was teleported away from the seminar into another dimension. And in my mind, things were flowing and flashing and running. And I left that seminar in mind, although I sat there, because it was if a dam had broken and torrents of truth were cascading down upon me about values. And the first thing I wrote down on my paper, I don't know what he was talking about, was values. I wrote the word down. As a certified trainer for Performax International, I had taken something called a value analysis profile. And I found out that the real reason why we do what we do are values. So I continued to write and I began to record my impressions and I wrote down marriage, divorce, love, sex, children, finances, abortion, lust, working mothers, extroverts, introverts, communication, marital roles. I just kept writing. All of those things are affected and impacted by the values that we have within us. And I thought to myself, I thought that I had the key because I had been studying Tim LaHaye's temperaments. Are you familiar with those a little bit? And then when I got into Performax, Tim LaHaye's temperaments are kind of difficult to deal with because I was doing them at church and people would come up and you know, when people can pick out characteristics, they pick out the ones they like. So I'd pick out people and, and I'd pick out and this little guy would come up, he'd be real passive and easygoing, whatever. He'd say, I'm a choleric. And I'd say, no way. Okay, so when I began to get this other instrument, I saw it was much more effective and we began to use that. But you see, America is a behavior mod society. All we talk about is modifying our behavior, yet we don't hardly ever do we deal with why are we doing what we're doing, what we're doing in the first place. You're doing that for a specific reason. But we don't talk about whys, we talk about what's. If you're doing that, don't do it anymore. If you're doing this, change your behavior. If you're doing that, turn around and go the other direction. But why am I doing it? Because the why probably tells me the most important element that is motivating my action. Let me use a, another similar example. I think many of you could relate to this. How many of you here have ever been on a diet? Okay. To gain or lose weight, this is America, some want to gain, okay? Now let's take those who want to lose weight. How much have you lost? How much have you put back on? Okay, why? I'm going to tell you why it's because of values. America has a value for eating. And that value is eat anything you want. Okay? Now if you're going to lose weight, Somebody said amen over there. If you're going to lose weight, you cannot lose weight because your value for food is greater than almost anything else. 
So we get in the Bible, and when we read passages like that have anything to do with our body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, or that we ought to eat properly, or anything like that, you know what we do with that stuff? Nah. Yeah, I'm talking about Christians. That's what we do with it. But why do we do that? We do it because our value system is already programmed and set, and we can't even hear the Bible. I believe on a Sunday morning when I preach that, that 90% of the people out there can't even hear what I'm saying because their values have them turned off to the Bible. They don't even consider it the Word of God anymore. They consider it a good book. Now, I'm not talking about what you would regurgitate to me. If I would ask many of you what you believe, you could give me the top, off the top of your head. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe in the inerrancy of the Scripture. I believe in the... But if I'd ask you to do something in here, that would be different. Particularly if it conflicts with your personal value system. So suddenly, I was doing all of this, and I was back at the seminar. I showed up again. Now, I want to say something to you, because when you deal with personality, and I dealt with it at our, at our church, people love personality studies. You know why? They get a hold of this stuff, and they do this. I am a choleric. They say, okay. So I've got the right to be dominant. Okay. So anything I do, it's not sin. It's just my choleric nature. Well, you know, they like that. People grabbed a hold of We taught it at church. They grabbed it and everything. They were talking about people. And, you know, if somebody did something wrong to somebody, they would say, you don't understand. I'm a sanguine. Okay. Now, I've got that. That's another whole study. So I'm not going to talk about that. But one thing I like about values is when I taught values, I got almost silenced. You know why? Because I talked about your personality is your personality. It's set. We can't do much about that. But your value system is something that has been value programmed into you and it interacted with your will. There are choices that you made to become the way you are today. And this is not something that you cannot change. It's something you can change. And much, much of what you have as your value system is sin. Now, needless to say, I didn't get many amens. The response was about what it is now. They just sat and looked at me. Why? Because all of a sudden, so, sudden, now I'm responsible for things in my life. Values are not inborn like personality. Values come about as a result of society and our response to it. You can have two people value programming in the same house, and yet their response to it may be different. Values fall into the area of free will. We react personally and individually to external stimuli of the prevailing culture during our imprinting, modeling, and socialization stages. I want to say this to us, and over the course of the week, I'll be talking about values in various ways. And I'm going to challenge you in a number of areas because I'm going to treat you like you're real people, not like college students at a Christian organization because I know right now with all of the people I deal with and I used to teach singles at our church that there are a lot of problems in your lives and a lot of them are sin problems and I want to help you to deal with those sin problems and get at the core of what I can do to change those problems and to live for Jesus Christ in my life and values is the key let me give you one tip off and then I'll, I'll close for today. When you take your mind, the renewing of your mind, and program your mind by the Bible, 
then you will be able to develop a new value system and you will be able to live out the spiritual commands of the Bible. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it's not simple at all because you are fighting Satan in order to be able to do that. Thank you so much for your attention. I'll see you on Wednesday. Come ready. Learn how to say amen. Start practicing tonight.